Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks, that's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome in. It's the Sox on tap. Sunday, not so fun day, guys. Uh, this is the funeral. White Sox are officially dead, eliminated from AL Central contention. That goes to the Guardians. Um, somber affair, guys. I did not want to be having this until um, sometime in November, uh, the, this episode. However, it comes here at the end of September, even with the extended play into October this year. So, boys, how are we doing this, this uh, evening? Not great. Not great at all. Just an atrocious week of baseball. Went out there with a fucking whimper. And I'm hot about a couple things, but we'll get to that. These are the uh, worst tasting misery beers of the season, Johnny. But uh, we're here. We'll talk about it. I might get mad online, too, just like Steve. I've saved it up all year. and It's... Time to let loose on a few thoughts. Johnny, yeah. how are you doing? How are um, you doing? It's the most important question. How are you um, doing? I mean, I'm all right. Uh, I'm very disappointed, though, um, just in overall. I, I, this has been building, and I think we all have had stretches of that throughout the year. But when it's it's officially official, hashtag confirmed by MLB.com slash standings. Uh, there's a little mark next to the Cleveland Guardians name and not by the White Sox. In fact, the White Sox are 10 back. Um, now after they're, you know, we'll go and six on the homestand Cleveland hasn't lost since like fucking June. So, you know, um, that's, that's, that's where we're at right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed, Tony. <laughs> That'll happen, man. That'll happen. I think we're all kind of in that, in that state right now. I'm going to, I'm going to let you drive the ship. Where are we going? Yeah. Um, uh, first, before we start, uh, I know everyone else, uh, all White Sox fans, you have your own frustrations here. Uh, let's hear them. Uh, get in the comment section on YouTube, uh, subscribe on tap sports net there and like our Facebook page on tap sports net there as well. Uh, drop those comments in here and we'll feature him, uh, on the show. Yeah, there you go. Like Sal says, uh, now he's not mad. He's just disappointed. That's where I am. I think I got mad plenty of times, uh, earlier, especially uh, I think Tuesday, it was kind of the big mad one Wednesday as well after that showing, but today, and now I'm just disappointed. That's where I'm at. Um, Sal also says, contract the White Sox. I feel like a lot of us are feeling saying words like that. Our guy Besnick on Twitter also said, uh, is fuck the White Sox, the new 2023 slogan. Sounds about right um, for how we're feeling right now. Guys, uh, the fashion in which they went out, um, we got to discuss it because this was symbolic of their basically effort level all season, right? Um <laughs> To have a chance uh, to go and climb that thing, uh, be in contention uh, in the last week, uh, we, you know, with the sweep, you would have also taken that tiebreaker uh, against Cleveland, and then to not only get swept in that, but then when the Tigers come in, uh, they don't even have any pride um, playing for each other or anything like that, and they get swept 
there. You get Javi Baez doing damage. You got the bullpen can't lock down shit, and it's just extremely disappointing. So uh, I'll leave it off there. You guys jump off uh, from this week's performance. Absolutely pathetic. Every single person in this organization from top down should feel fucking embarrassed about what has happened here in the last week. Like you mentioned, Jonathan, they came into this week feeling okay. You know, they had taken two out of three in Detroit last weekend. You had the biggest series of the year at home. And you go out there, you caught that game up on Tuesday night, and then after that you just put your tail between your legs and you just fucking take it from there. And you get swept on a homestand. When you still had a chance, you could have kept fighting, but you went out there and you fucking quit. You fucking quit. Like Steve Ruzich used to say when I was at South Suburban College, when you accept losing, you're a fucking loser. And every single person in that clubhouse, they're all fucking losers for this bullshit that we saw this week. Absolutely disgusting. Not a single person in there should hold their head up right now about what the fuck happened this week. You go out there and you lose those games against Cleveland. After that first game, you just basically fold up like a fucking tent and say, well, that's it. They got the season series now. It's done. There's nothing left. And then Detroit comes in. You let that piss poor fucking team sweep you on your home field and send you back below 500. Fuck that shit. What an absolute joke. Anthony, I'll turn it over to you. Steve, you said a lot of things that uh, I tend to agree with there. Um, You know, uh, the, the fact that you have watched this team basically been on a seesaw with 500 all season there were points where you felt like you were in it. There were points where you felt like you weren't. I think coming into this Cleveland series, you you still needed a miracle. And there was a lot of warrant towards, I mean, Steve, I'll admit it straight up right here. You had questions about this team a lot earlier than most did. And that was because of these red flag warning signs that have plagued this team all season. Some of those same red flags all came and festered when it mattered the most. This is where I've drawn problems all season is a lot of blame has been focused on Larusa. There's been a lot of blame focused on Frank Menachino. There's been a lot of blame focused on Rick Hahn roster construction. There's plenty of it right there. But let's let's take all of that off the table for a second. Where was the emotion? Where was the passion? Where was the fire on the field all week? We were all there on Tuesday. You saw Josh Harrison making a couple of plays over at second base, trying to keep his team in it. You saw Elvis Andrews running his mouth about a week ago where was the where was the leadership of this team from a player perspective there was none they got mocked up and down the field by cleveland they're getting mocked right now as cleveland celebrates it was fucking embarrassing from tuesday 
until today have been some of the most embarrassing days to be a White Sox fan that I can ever even fucking remember, given the expectations for this ball club this season. It's ridiculous. And it sucks to have to sit here and talk about how disturbing all of this is. They had plenty of chances all year, just like they've had chances within most of these ball games to do something. And every single time you've waited for them to turn it up a notch or get themselves back into this, they'll give you just enough to let you down. It was the Johnny Nani never get up for the letdown special this entire fucking season. And here we are. I there's a couple things in there, Tony, that I uh, I want to get to, but there was one uh, that kind of came across in the comments here that, um, yeah, uh, Jordan Miller he, he drops in Rick Hahn's mediocre and expensive bullpen shit the bet all week his lone trade piece, um, and then Cairo felt the need to call out the team for the first time all season. Um, obviously the team played some decent ball under Cairo upon him first taking over, right? Um, that West Coast trip. Successful by, you know, uh, stretches of measurement. Um, I know they still lost some ground in that, but they were playing right with that emotion that you talked about, Tony. Um, I would have liked that Cairo outburst after the game said, oh, it's disappointing. That's not what Chicago White Sox baseball is about. Newsflash, that's what it is about, um, by the way. Um, But I would have liked to see that after the Rockies game that they lost. I think that would have been a good time for that, not after the fact, uh, when you're already now 10 games back and done for good. Um, so I, I would have liked, would have liked that. something like that all year long. Right. Yeah. You knew Tony wasn't going to do it. Um, and then Miguel Cairo obviously waited on that. And even then the thing is we can talk about this and say, Oh yeah, you should have done that. Then I don't even know if the players would have responded that well though. Um, there's definitely some clubhouse cancer going on. There. They, they didn't respond um, I know well, apparently, to Miguel Cairo's all-important speech just a right. couple weeks well, they, ago. I, I mean, they, they had a, a short, short right. burst from it. Right. It, it so, was never long-term success with anything this club did all year. Right, yeah. So, so I mean, there's that, but I, I think there it goes further. And if you go back uh, from our Thursday show, if you uh, tuned into the um, the White Sox Ruined My Summer uh, group, therapy session uh, that Andrew Kidler and I did here on Thursday night, um, I'd mentioned that there, there needs to be a truly honest evaluation of from both the coaching staff, uh, them telling players, which telling the front office, which players are actually problems here. Uh, well, how did this thing go so badly? And then I want it on the reverse too. I want the players to be honest with the front office and tell them about the coaching staff. And obviously the front office itself. Um, well, there you go. Are you going to fire yourself? <laughs> you know, Jerry going to let go of any of those guys who knows that that's probably far fetched. However, I would like a complete honest evaluation uh, internally amongst the White Sox. But Tony touched on something there, and I think this is going to rile the people up. And it was the comments that came out from the Cleveland Guardian celebration um, on Emmanuel Classe's Instagram Live. Uh, one of them in the back doing a little fuck the White Sox chant, and then they were mocking the fire Tony one. So that goes even deeper than just the team. They're kind of mocking the fans. Um, City of Chicago, like you mentioned before, we jumped on here, Tony. Steve, I know you have thoughts about it. Let's turn it over to you. Oh, Yeah. <clears throat> I've got thoughts. Like I said earlier, every single person in this organization that draws a paycheck from the Chicago White Sox, Jerry Reinsdorf, every single one of you should look in the mirror tonight and be fucking ashamed of yourselves for this bullshit. Cleveland 
went into this season not even expecting to win. Like we talked about the other night, this team was literally discussing trading Shane Bieber at the deadline in April. This team had no aspirations of winning this division. And here they are. They've got a 10-game lead, and it's over on September 25th. This White Sox team that thought they were just going to waltz through the fucking season, that the AL Central was just going to be a coronation for them, that they didn't have to play the game with any kind of intensity all season, just go out there with a laissez-faire attitude, just throw your fucking mitts out there and say, well, we're here, we're going to win. It's only April. It's only May. It's only June. And here we are now, fucking eliminated, 10 games out. Talking about that complacency, Steve, uh, I thought it was kind of, you know, this was a red flag too at the all-star break. Um, Liam Hendricks himself said, you know, there was, that was around the time there was issues, excuse me, on the reports, rumors of clubhouse, um, you know, disconnect, whatever, lack of player leadership, the Kenny Williams comments from the Nightingale story around that time. But then, Liam Hendricks and Tim Anderson, they obviously they were at the all-star media session and Hendricks had said, oh, there was, you know, the only problem with the clubhouse was that there was a bit of a complacent attitude early on. So at the time you figured, well, that's something that you hope is like turned around now. Right. Um, after, especially after it got kind of got exposed. Right. Yeah. Um, but it didn't. It clearly didn't. And they held that same sort of mentality all throughout. So that's really, really disappointing on that on that front. And that's, you know, to your point earlier when you talked about if there was a time to, you know, flip a table or whatever the famous scene in Moneyball or or have a a little meeting to talk about the bullshit that's going on, that was the time to do it. When you came back, when you were facing Cleveland that first game out of the All-Star break, that was the time to do it because you actually had the calendar on your side at that point, not waiting until September 1st when the clock was fucking ticking already. And now you get to sit there and you get to watch Cleveland mock you, this team that had no fucking business winning this division, saying fuck the White Sox, literally mocking the fan base with the fire Tony chance. Every single one of them fucking laughing at this organization and anybody that supports it. Anybody that wears a fucking White Sox uniform or is a White Sox fan should fucking look at that and be fucking pissed off. And all winner, remember those videos. But what's going to happen and what we're going to get out of it is Jerry Reinsdorf, if somebody fucking wakes him up and he sees it, he's going to say, hey, look, this team with half our fucking payroll won the division. I don't need to spend this much money because he's a fucking gutless coward with no pride at all. Any owner with any pride any GM, any executive seeing those videos would be pissed off and wouldn't let this bullshit happen again. I'm just going to let that breathe for a second. I mean, I I agree with what you're saying. I I don't know if money solves solves the problem here. I think it's a little bit deeper than that, Steve. I I think you have to look at how you've drafted, how your GM has put the team together, how how your managers manage the games, how your players on the field have performed. And, man, there's just so many fucking question marks right now. And we're not supposed to be here. 
We're not supposed to be here. And the sad part about it is, Steve, we get these stretches out of Eloy Jimenez where he looks fucking awesome. You get a stretch out of Luis Robert that looks great. You get a stretch out of Yohan Moncada that looks good. You get stretches from your biggest free agent acquisition in franchise history, Yasmani Grandal, that are good. Nobody's doubting the fact that there's a lot of talent on this White Sox roster. But I go back to things that Johnny said. Clubhouse cancer. Is something wrong there? Do these guys not all mesh? We've got an offseason where we don't know if Jose Abreu is coming back or not. And people are divided on that. It's even more concerning to me that the front office seems divided on what to do with Tony La Russa in the last year of his contract. There seems to be division all over this fucking franchise. That is a huge problem. Because if they're not united, they have no direction. And you could be embarrassed, but I don't think that they're going to be embarrassed for the right reasons. Each and every one of them are going to be dug into their own trenches and try and fix it their own way. They're not united. There's division all over the place, and that just leads to fucking disaster. And that's my biggest fear. That's what keeps me up at night. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, Tony. And uh, like you, you know, jumped on the comments that I'd talked about. I would love to be a mind reader because I want to know what has gone through AJ Pollock's mind all year from upon hearing he was traded to the White Sox and what he truly, truly in his heart of hearts felt about going from a first class organization like the Dodgers to the defunction dysfunction that is the Chicago White Sox. I think that would make it great. Um, you know, if Bob Nightingale can get uh, his hands on that story, some mind reading capabilities, that that's that's what I would like to see because I guarantee the truth deep in his heart is probably something along the lines of going from, you know, like I said, world-class organization to a clown show. That's the ultimate going from the penthouse to the outhouse situation right there. I mean, let's be real about this. The Dodgers are the first team in the history of baseball to win 106 plus games in three consecutive full seasons. And he's here with this now. You know, at the end of the day, I've talked about this a lot, and I, I will continue to beat this point home. The buck stops with one person because one person has allowed this passive approach with this organization to fester. One person is responsible for this front office being what it is for the last 20 plus years. We talked about this the other night. It's the definition of insanity. It's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Until that day comes when Jerry Reinsdorf's reign of terror ends, we're in a bad spot because nothing's going to change. All you're going to do is just rearrange the fucking furniture on the Titanic and it fucking sucks. I don't have anything else to add to that, Johnny. I would go ahead and um, say that uh, there are other facts. Obviously, that's the top of it. It's like, you know, it, it'd be that's the root. And then 
things stem out from it, right? Um, because you, you still also have then Rick Hahn at, you know, not doing shit at the trade deadline, um, questionable allocation of the resources for the roster construction prior to the season. So um, I, I agree with you, though, Tony. Excuse me, Steve, it does go back uh, kind of, you know, on that Jerry Reinsdorf. And we, we've all beat that point home. We, we all know that's the truth. However, I do think there is a little bit of a intricacy below it that is basically all dysfunction. Well, okay. So on that point right there, we talk about the failings of, of Rick Hahn, and there are many of them. Would Rick Hahn still have his job with any other organization? Right. Probably not. I, I can't think of one. We talk, you know, saw a graphic on MLB Network the other night. In the last 10 years, every team that has won the World Series, with the exception so far of the Nationals and the Dodgers, has had a complete overhaul of their front office. And those are teams that have won the whole fucking thing in the last decade. White Sox have won two postseason games in 17 years, yet nothing changes because a certain someone is unwilling to change. He's unwilling to bring in outside voices that might make his closed lens of how he views the game of baseball uncomfortable. So here we are. Um. Let's see. I, I was going to add on to that. You you'd talked about the the kind of disconnect and division, Tony, right? I, I think this is a good, you know, if you're talking about it, rots from the head. Um, Jerry Reinsdorf seems like a disconnected owner, right? Um, I think we all kind of knew that because, you know, given he's, you know, up there in age. And then also, like you'd said, the, the way of operating has, has not changed and his the way that he views the game um, is flawed for modern baseball. Um but that kind of then reverberates throughout the organization. I go and look at like a team like the Mets, and sure, it's you know Steve Cohen's an absolute you know billionaire. He's got all the money in the world to throw around, and he did he did it with, with the Mets. But he cares. He's a fan of the Mets, right? That's what I want. <laughs> I want White Sox fans in the White Sox organization, right? I want you know I want my announcer to be a homer uh, like Hawk was. I, I want my owner. To be a, I want this team to be the best and win the World Series every year. That's the goal, right? Um, and then putting in the action to follow that up and try to make that a reality the best you can. Obviously, you're not going to win the fucking World Series every year, but at least try. Act like you care, right? Um, I think there's just way too much disconnect there, and this is just one of his one of his toys that he doesn't care too too much about, right? Because the Bulls also exist right over there on the West Side, so. It's disconnect division, all those words that you use, Tony, um, starting from the top and then obviously uh, permeating throughout the rest of the organization, all the way from Jerry at the owner uh, to the front office there, to coaching staff, and then to um, players themselves uh, on the field. Well said. I, 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 again, don't have much to add to this, Johnny, but it's just, Sad to see. And it's the same stuff that you've seen year in and, and year out. And you bring up how long we've been going through this. It's got to be one of the most longest tenured front offices in all of baseball. Is it not, Steve? You might have better data. The only one that I believe is longer would be Brian Cashman in New York with the Yankees. And last time I checked, um, 
if you compare the resumes, quite a stark difference. Yeah. Isn't so, it, he's he's never had a losing season. Is that it? The Yankees have not had a losing season since 1991 or 1992. Jesus. There you go. There's a good reason to keep your job for that long. And the, and the funny thing is, if you listen to New York Sports Talk Radio, if you hear Christopher Mad Dog Russo on there talking, there's a lot of people that think, because I believe Cashman might be on the last year or only have one year left on his deal. There are a lot of people calling for his head if that team doesn't get to the World Series this year, especially with how hot they started and the way that they have cooled off. And now they are in a position where they allowed Houston to pass them. And so they are going to have to go through Houston, a team that they have not shown that they can beat in October in order to get to the World Series. So think about that contrast, that this guy has never had a losing season since he took over and was running the show might lose his job for simply not getting to the World Series. I got to go back. We got a great comment in here. Uh, Matt, he says, Jerry Reinsdorf views the game of baseball purely, purely off of profit slash loss, not win slash loss. And I think that's a really pertinent comment that is true. And, and you all know it. And you can see it through the actions. I've joked for a number of years that when it comes to Jerry Reinsdorf, he is more concerned about profit margins than playoff appearances. And it shows. I mean, the record's there. I I would think that winning more games would equal more profit. And, you know, profit loss and win-loss would be sort of hand-in-hand. But at least larger profits. Broken. Just broken. At this point, don't know what to say. Go look at uh, what the what the Padres did. I know that they're gonna they got a freaking juggernaut in their division. Um, but after the Soto, uh, you know, trade, right? A lot of sellouts, a lot of jerseys flying off the shelves. Yeah, but I think if we go back to some of that, Johnny, like the there's the the gate receipts don't actually. While they're nice, it's it's not that that's going to help you tremendously right there. It's you're negotiating for that next TV contract. You're negotiating for all of the advertising dollars that you can bring in when you have star players. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day, it, it, just in the Yohan Moncada debate. And maybe this is way off, but when I hear Here's a phenom coming to your team. And this guy could be, you know, game changing, just somebody that is one of the top stars in baseball, right? And here's Yon Moncada coming out there. And I think it was Connor McKnight talking about, oh, we got this was yesterday's ball game. Oh, it's Moncada and the white spikes versus some of the colorful spikes that he wears throughout these games. You would think that if Yohan Moncada was an absolute phenom like he was supposed to be, you'd have kids out there on the ball field and you'd have a shoe deal for Yohan Moncada so that kids would be buying Yohan Moncada shoes. I know my kids, when they go out to the ball field, pick between Bryce Harper and Mike Trout shoes every spring. Why isn't there Yohan Moncada shoes? Is he the superstar 
that you expected. I think it starts and stops right there. You ask people around the game of baseball, who are the big names? I don't hear Eloy Jimenez. I don't hear Lucas Giolito. I don't hear Yohan Moncada. I don't hear Luis Robert. Fuck, I don't even hear Jose Abreu. There's not a huge name on this team. There hasn't been the entire time. There's a real problem with not only did the guys not exactly pan out up until this point, and I'm not saying that they can't, but you've seen injuries, you've seen underperformance, you've seen availability issues, and you've just straight up been sort of let down by what the level of play that these guys need to play at in order to become the superstars and the talents that we wanted them to be. Ooh, you were breaching my favorite topic. That's player development and idiot Chris Getz. There you go. It's beyond just him, though. It's the whole staff. It's the department, and it's the lack of developing guys as soon as they reach the majors, right? They're still learning that needs to take place there, and they have mishandled that in the performances. Uh, you can see it um, of those guys that you mentioned there, Tony. So, And that's a guy that might be getting bumped upstairs. Right. It just goes to show you the what the White Sox do. It's a, it's the White Sox way, as you like to say, Steve. It is uh, it is really embarrassing. And then, Anthony, to kind of piggyback off what you were saying there regarding, you know, the Bryce Harper, Mike Trouts of, of the world, to think the Sox could have had that guy. They could have had the guy with the national appeal. You talk about the money that comes from the renegotiation of a TV deal. That is up in two years. Having superstars really helps drive that. Helps, you know, if you're starting your own regional sports network, helps make that more valuable. Helps drive ad dollars because people know that there's going to be eyeballs watching your product. And so advertisers are going to want to be a part of that. Instead, no, they nickel and dime this thing. They could have had the most recognizable face in the game of baseball. Not the best player in the game of baseball, but the most recognizable face. And they fucking didn't even try. Well, rest assured that you can get the Tim Anderson-Dairy Queen combo. Okay? There's your national appeal. And he's got his big sneaker ball tomorrow. Yeah. There you go. So that's our guy, Sal. He didn't chime in on the comments. Said, T.A., the only guy with any national appeal. But small scale. No, yeah, I think the sneak, sneaker ball I thought already took place last Monday. Well, maybe it, eh, it doesn't fucking matter. It was a <laughs> sneaker, sneaker ball. ball and the White Sox season. Were they all too tired from playing ping pong? Could have been. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what went on there? I didn't attend sneaker ball. Yeah. Um, let's feel the question here. Let's feel the question from Sal. He says, do you think we get a manager next year that's worth a damn or someone on the cheap? That's a good question. You guys got any thoughts on that? You know, if you read the Nightingale piece that came out today, again, as was broached earlier on here in our discussion, there seems to be the division as far as what is going to happen there. Um, We've talked about at times that Kenny didn't want Tony La Russa. Rick Hahn didn't want Tony La Russa. I have it on pretty good authority that Kenny wanted Bruce Bochy. And then 
conveniently Nightingale mentions Bruce Bochy in his little piece there. So the thing that is concerning to me is that if Tony La Russa doesn't come back, that they're just going to go ahead and just bring in Bruce Bochy or just simply take the interim tag off of Miguel Cairo without doing a full-scale search and without bringing in anyone from outside the organization with a different viewpoint, a different philosophy, different understandings of how modern successful organizations do things that you can actually learn from. That's one of the things that is very annoying to me is again, they, they box themselves into this way of doing things. The White Sox way doesn't work. So fucking change it. Do a full scale search. If you if you're change leaning, the game, one might say. Yeah. I think yeah. I've heard that a couple of times yeah, in the last yeah, couple of yeah. years. Maybe follow through on that. Yeah. If you want Bruce Bochy, if, if that's the guy that you want, fine. But actually talk to some people because I'm old enough to remember when Kenny Williams had his mind set on Cito Gaston after the 2003 season. And then Ozzy got a cursory interview. Next thing you know, Cito Gaston was no longer the forerunner for the White Sox manager. Wouldn't that be something if they actually brought in somebody, if they brought in a Joe Espada or a bench coach with Tampa or some other successful organization? And they actually said, wow, this is a different way of thinking about things and a different process that might actually make some fucking sense and might actually improve this organization. I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. And I, I understand what Steve's saying. And I, I think that there's definitely a benefit towards at least listening to other viewpoints than what you may expect the White Sox to do. Um, that said, I think that there's a lot of intuition and, and views that some of these guys in the organization, especially in the front office have, and they've classically done that over and over again. I think that's why people are a little upset with it. That said, I do think that we would kind of, uh, be excluding the fact that the game of baseball is going to largely change next year with a couple of rules that are going to be implemented. Bigger bases, pickoff rules, pitch clock. This game's going to get faster. There's going to be a lot of advantage for speedy teams and, and teams that know how to take advantage of being aggressive. And I think personally management in the dugout is going to matter a lot more next year than it did in pretty much every other year of baseball, especially with the game changing as much as it's going to. It's going to take some strategy to manage through a pitcher's mentality. How what what is your strategy when you have a guy on first base who's a legitimate stolen base threat? How are you going to manage that on your side? Pinch runners could be a lot more effective next year there's going to be a whole different set of circumstances that a lot of managers haven't dealt with puts the socks in a really precarious spot because as of right now, you can't even prepare for next year because you're going into this 
basically with a division in your front office and B whoever you bring in and whatever their mentality is, they're going to have to change it compared to what they've managed with their entire lives in the game of baseball. So it's going to be a very difficult task to navigate. I've got very little faith in it. I've got one name to mention. I think you guys brought up a lot of good points that I agree with there. So I'm not going to rehash all of those, but one name um, that I would also put on the radar is Willie Harris. Um, obviously started his minor yes. league managing with the dash and then had jumped around in a couple of roles uh, for a couple of other organizations. I believe it was the giants and the reds. Then um, he's like an infield and base running coordinator. I want to say, and then now um, has been coaching third base for the Cubs. They, the white Sox did bring him in um, before uh, TLR was hired. So um, he was already in for an interview there. And then I believe I did just skim it, but I believe uh, Nightingale did mention that name as well again um, in, in a future or a post after the fact, uh, one that was more recent. So um, that's just one that I'd throw on the radar too. And he's obviously got the White Sox connection, which we all know how important that is, knowing that he scored the most important run in the history of the franchise. That he did, Steve. That he absolutely did. And, you know, I, I don't mind White Sox managers having a White Sox connection. I really don't. I think that there's, and a lot of people don't like this, but I, I think that there's something to be said for interviewing and giving chances to people who've helped your organization along the way. I think that that's loyal, admirable, and, um, you know, I, I, I love a good storyline shouldn't be the sole reason that somebody gets a job, but I would say that Harris has also done some things a within our organization at the coaching level and be around major league baseball. Uh, that warrants a discussion there versus some other individuals. Yep. I just wanted to uh, bring that one up because obviously White Sox need change there. Uh, we got another uh, comment here. Oh, uh, Sal says, hello, AJ, AJ Pruszynski. Yeah, that would be, um, Surely a White Sox connection. However, uh, he's been in the broadcast booth, not in the dugout. So I would go ahead and put other candidates above him for that sole fact. Um, <laughs> it's already making me sad for 2023, Sal. Thanks. Team with no sense of urgency playing a game that's getting faster. Sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yes, it absolutely does. Um, man, where who the hell thought I'd be saying? Where were the 2020 White Sox, man, because that team did play the game fairly fast, I would say. Um, but that has not been the case here in 2022. They played the game fast. They executed defensively. They took 90 feet whenever they were given the opportunity to. They did the little things. Yes, it was only a 60-game sprint, but those are the types of things that you – successful organizations build as part of a mantra and part of a foundation to how they do things. And then somewhere along the way here, all of that just went out the window and it's very bizarre to me. This team has regressed so much defensively in the last two years. It's really mind numbing to think about. Um, so they talk about magical difference. I'll pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> Let's just go in too far, Anthony. Yeah, well, you got to go off the rails at some point. God. 
Yeah. Um, guys, it, it, one, one question that I just thought of, it just popped into my mind and obviously, you know, it's over. Uh, you pull up the Yerman Mercedes Instagram post. Cause we know that it's over after losing that. Uh, it, it, we lost the division. Okay. That, that's already done. Uh, they're not getting in via a wild card. They're like seven and a half games back in that and multiple, um, teams to jump there. So that's, that's not happening. Um, how do you consume the rest of the season? Because much we say, sit on here, hate them, bitch about them. We are still, you know, the South side faithful at the end of the day. How do you consume the rest of the season? There's a few more series left. They got at Minnesota, at, uh, San Diego, and then one at home against the twins. Do you go to games? Do you watch them? Do you still like whatever? I mean, I'm probably still going to watch, but definitely with not nearly as much intent, obviously that's kind of been the case since Wednesday sort of for me. So how are you guys handling the rest of the season here? Well, I know for me, I won't see a single pitch of the Minnesota series uh, because I'm getting on a plane tomorrow night and I'm flying out to Vegas and I'm just going to drink my misery away. So that's how that's going to go. Um, I do have tickets for Monday night. Um, so I will be taking that in and I typically like to go to the last regular season game of the year. I'm not going to be able to do that this year because I have a work conflict. So there's a really good chance I will take in the game also on Tuesday and I can just already envision it every year. I, I like to take the walk from the ballpark back down to Buffalo wings and rings and just kind of take it all in for that last time and think about that six month journey that we all go on that every day, this team is part of your routine and now it's over for six months. I can just already envision a scenario where this is going to be the most angry I've ever been when I take that walk and it's going to suck. All valid, Tony. Yeah, I mean, I'm still going to watch this team pretty much the same way that I normally do um, down the stretch here. I mean, it's like you said, Johnny, not exactly the uh, the same level of enthusiasm or excitement or, or knowing that, uh, you know, your team's still in it. And that's why, you know, I never want to believe that it's over during the year because until days like today where you're pretty much mathematically eliminated – you still want to have that hope. You still want to have that belief. You still want to avoid exactly what Steve is talking about, which is that last game of the season. That's going to leave you with an empty feeling all the way until spring training starts next year. This team was abysmal to watch all year and they've been abysmal this past week. Still tune into them. I think I got one game left on my, ticket plan on, on Tuesday, uh, that last Tuesday night of, of the season. Not sure what you guys have, but, uh, you know, the same thing Steve said, you know, uh, just leaving the ballpark on that Tuesday night's not going to be fun. Uh, I can already envision that ride home just sort of sitting back and thinking about what could have been. So, you know, it sucks. It sucks knowing that it's over. I think that's the worst part. Yep. I, I'm in hockey mode, guys. 
be honest, the Blackhawks preseason starts on Tuesday. An omen for more pain there. It's a rebuilding. It's a tank year. It's also a fresh season. Remember, uh, you know, at the beginning of every baseball season, why is opening day such a holiday? Because everyone has hope, right? Hope springs eternal then. Um, I'm on hockey mode. So that doesn't mean I'm not going to watch the White Sox because I still am. There's no getting out of this thing. Um, but there'll be second screen viewing when there's Blackhawks on um, through the rest of the way. And I will also miss a couple games in terms of, uh, you know, watching that Saturday or that uh, San Diego series. I'll be at one of the Blackhawks games there, so I won't catch uh, much during that one. But once again, I think I will venture out with you guys for one last time, uh, do a little socks on tap content out at the ballpark, um, say our farewells as we embark on a long, cold, depressing winter after this baseball season. Well said, sir. And it's going to be an angry winner. Yeah, it is. We'll see what happens, though. We'll see what happens. And we'll be here to talk about it on Socks on Tap. Yeah, um, we'll get together for some shows. I think we should take some topics. Maybe we'll discuss some general MLB playoffs um, as that stuff rolls through. Then obviously we'll set our sights uh, on some off-season topics in terms of changes we made for next year, players to target, all of that good stuff. Um, we'll bring it to you here at Socks on Tap. That just about does it for this edition of Sunday Not So Fun Day. Thank you for attending the 2022 Chicago White Sox funeral. Everybody in the comments, we appreciate you. I uh, had a lot of good discussion coming through there. Make sure you're subscribed on Tap Sportsnet on YouTube so you don't miss our shows. Uh, we'll be here with you all off season and uh, probably a few more here uh, coming up at the end of series um, throughout the remainder of this, you know, uh, what's left on the schedule. So, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Go and check out ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs and give us a follow on social media at Socks on Tap and at ONTAP Sportsnet. Boys, until next time, White Sox forever. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.